0: Hey guys, this is Chris Roth here with Bushido Squirrel and a very special guest, John Motter, with your weekly Knock Activism Wrap Up. Today we're going to be talking about public banking, CD 12, uh, bridge housing at the Not Korea Town over in Lafayette Park, uh, Stop LAPD Spying, and the LAPD Use of Force Report. And finally, we'll finish everything off with some fantastic news at the state level regarding capital punishment. How's it going, Bushido? Uh,
1: it's going pretty well. But first, uh, John, how are you doing oh, today? Yeah.
2: I am well as well.
1: Good. Yeah, no, I was going to say, Chris, uh, John, unfortunately, was left out of this one because we get to talk some shit about our alma mater. Yeah, Or rather, the the school I dropped out of and you graduated. I did graduate. But, uh, yeah, so uh, the college cheating scandal uh, ensnared someone very near and dear to all of our hearts, uh, full house actress Lori (laughs) Loughlin and her daughter Olivia Jade. Yep. Uh, I think the high point for me is the fact that Olivia Jade, which A, very white person name. Extremely. uh, B, had to leave a yacht owned by the president of the board of trustees, uh, Dick Caruso, who's the guy who also owns the Grove. Yes, he does. As well as like some other properties around LA, but just the whole you're so scandal plagued you have to leave our fancy yacht is such a uh, you can't sit with us <laughs> Get moment off our boat just amazing and apparently <laughs> uh this poor young woman who was born into fame and fortune and fabulous wealth uh has lost her line with support sephora oh yeah has lost her uh clothing line which i don't know why she's qualified to have either one of those and her mother has lost her partnership with the hallmark channel <laughs> how far they've fallen. And Wait, did she
0: lose her, like, Amazon Prime student partnership, too? Because that was definitely oh, a thing. Oh, I didn't know she, she had that. She, but she th- That was, like, one of the first things. She was like, I moved into uh, USC housing. And it's like... Uh, definitely a staged photo of her in a dorm room surrounded by all the stuff that she's like I got it all on Amazon
1: well now that she's dropped out of USC we might be able to buy all of that stuff for resale through Amazon yeah to scandal plague to even finish at the University of Spoiled Children didn't,
0: didn't she have like a massive series of tweets where she was talking about, like, oh, I can't go to school. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, she put out a whole thing. vlog
1: about I don't want to be at college anyway. So, you know, she's, you know, <laughs> Wishes six, can
0: come true for all of us.
1: Paying $600,000 to get your kid into a school that costs oh $50,000 a year for base tuition. Uh, that's a real win. Um, and also, I'm liking the fact that, like, this all came about, apparently, because a securities trader here was under investigation and decided to flip on the uh, leader of this, like, cheating ring. So the rich will eat themselves. They have no software, Solidarity. Uh, so keep that in mind is like, you know, things continue to collapse.
0: Um, that got a real good grin out of matter over here. Yeah,
2: no, I mean, I stole the line I'll from him earlier. More. I'm smiling a lot.
0: It's an audio <laughs> format for like distribution. They can't see. Smiling. I'll just <laughs>
2: mention every time I smile. <laughs>
1: But yeah, so uh, moving on from USC to uh, some actually good developments at the uh, state level, uh, the California public banking movement is not dead, despite the fact, uh, the the defeat of uh, Charter Amendment B. So we have uh, AB 857, though if you look at the legislative record, it's kind of hard to tell if that's the bill or not, but that got announced on Monday. So yes, let's talk a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, so on supporters uh, came out on Monday for the uh, California Public Banking Alliance, uh, who joined State Assemblyman Miguel Santiago and City Council President Herb Wesson on the steps of City Hall, uh, announcing the introduction of an Assembly Bill that was authored by both Santiago and Assemblyman David Chu from San Francisco. The Assembly Bill would establish a structure for municipalities up and down the state to create their own public banks. But and this is key, it does not create a state-level public bank that could support the creation of public banks in smaller cities like Modesto.
1: And this is kind of one of the keys for me as to why I find it really weak sauce, is like like Los Angeles can capitalize its own public bank, San Francisco can capitalize its own public bank, Modesto can't, but Modesto needs a public bank. So the state's just kicking the can to them and being like, oh, if you want a public bank, you make it, even though you don't have the resources to do that and we're not gonna give them to you.
0: So I haven't seen what the legislation actually looks like on this one does it include any any uh, structure relating to the cannabis industry at all or is that still not?
1: It. it, it I don't think it touches on that. Okay. That's kind of the, still the third rail for them. And yeah. it's mainly just saying like, hey, like all the stuff that, that y'all in public banking were talking about during the Charter Amendment B fight. Still the same discussion. Yeah, to, yeah. to basically set up the regulatory framework. Because even if we pass Charter Amendment B and we talked about this a few times, the state would still have to make changes Absolutely. to the law to allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. So this is basically filling in that hole and saying like, hey, now you can have a public bank. Uh, but the the city still have to figure out how they want to make that happen, how they want to capitalize it, uh, how the insurance and everything is going to work. So this is a step towards public banking, but still not public banking. But yeah. it's getting a lot of uh, a lot of press and a lot of like support from public officials. Which is who, great. Yeah, but they're also not risking anything. No, they're not. You know, <laughs> like hey, I support an idea that might never happen. Like that costs you nothing politically. Yeah. But any, like, since you were so heavily involved in the, the public banking campaign, like, are you seeing this as a good step? Like, who, How are you feeling coming out of Charter Amendment B?
0: I mean, from Charter Amendment B, like like we said, it was going to be the first of many steps in a process. And this is just another one of those steps. This is actually the original first intended step where the folks that are in Public Bank LA really did want to... Um, the, the idea was that we were going to be pushing at the state level for the creation of a structure that we could then fill in at the municipal level and charter amendment b really came about as like uh it was a christmas in july but at the same time it was a bit of a a a curse because it was something that we were not prepared for in terms of just mobilizing the support that's necessary to get something like this through i mean we had uh, less than whoop, we had less than sixty thousand dollars in funding for something that normally costs around a million dollars to get through. So it was. Hey,
1: it's it's not like the Federal Reserve just created <laughs> trillions of dollars to give to multinational banks. Like I, I mean, you know, they're they're not the Goliath in the situation. Yeah, <laughs> no,
0: it was it was absolutely a David and Goliath fight, and uh, it was a, a massively uphill battle. So this is this is the step that we were actually hoping to be doing at the outset, uh, and I'm really glad to be seeing that it's it's moving forward. Um, Even though it's not you know, it's not creating everything that I I would now hope for in terms of a a Massively expanded public banking infrastructure that actually provides a support for the small cities It's great to see that the bigger cities would be able to benefit off of this and do some massively needed infrastructure spending uh, through a public bank which is great to be able to see that kind of thing happen in San Francisco up in the East Bay uh, and uh, up and down the state honestly there there are coalition members in a whole bunch of charter cities around California that are looking to do this and enabling them to have a legal pathway forward is key because that's one of the biggest questions that we ran into in measure B is like how are you going to do this how are you going to make this happen and there hadn't been enough of a public discourse on it so Now we're having more public discourse, and this is going to continue the conversation and get more and more people excited about it, which is always a good idea.
1: Yeah, no, the crowd was really happy, uh, including Council President Herb Wesson, who was out there. Of course he was. uh, Who, apparently his favorite thing to say to other city council members is, uh, you're my brother from another mother, Uh, which is going to get weird because we're going to talk about CD12. where (laughs) there are some really (laughs) strong women running. But uh, the last update we had is there were 27 people qualified, uh, or 27 people who filed intent to run. How many of them are actually going to the ballot?
0: It has been whittled down as of this week to 16 folks who have made it through the qualification process uh, of submitting the correct number of signatures. Or buying
1: their way in. I know at least a couple of the them fee. just yeah. bought their way in.
0: Yeah, so that's a thing. It doesn't make sense, but it's a thing. Uh, and, I mean, it, honestly, how how <laughs> if you're running for office and you can't get the signatures, what are you doing? Yeah. How are you going well, to drive out the votes to get yourself elected if you can't get enough signatures to sign the petition well, to you, get yourself you, on the ballot?
1: You do what Frank Ferry did, and you write yourself a check for $250,000 as a personal oh, loan. Oh, my God. Uh, but he's it, like he's one of the weirder candidates there are there also are a couple of like really like not great candidates yeah. John Lee uh, known harasser that the city had to pay out because he's like not a great person oh, fun so he's running uh, I forget he was Mitch Englander's chief of staff um, mm-hmm. a, a few years ago not when when Mitch Englander quit he left that office uh, Dr. Lorraine Lundquist who is a climatologist and a professor at CSUN uh, Carlos Amador who is a uh, immigration activist from Granada Hills uh, and then like I mentioned Frank Ferry and a whole other cast of rogues uh that are that are kind of running up there and you've been doing a little bit of work up there john like on cd12 how's that been going
2: um i i've just been phone banking and stuff um i haven't gone canvassing yet how's the phone banking been um hit or miss um it's it feels like we just got done with the Katie Hill stuff like LA is just one endless string of elections. It's just <laughs> That's all My we do. My new pitch is now like, "Hey, don't you hate these phone calls?" Like, "Well, if we get like election reforms, you won't have to get them anymore if we can" yeah. you know, have well, publicly finance campaigns and stuff like that.
0: Absolutely. And on top of all that, I mean, we've also got the the uh board of uh the, the education board campaign yeah, like,
1: oh my god people hated me they i got hate. so many calls i i had like a bunch of people like i'm not voting for jackie just because you've called me so much and i'm like that's a terrible way to waste your vote but. yeah
2: i got a scammer i woke up to a scammer call this morning uh trying to get my social and i was just like relieved that it wasn't <laughs> another, <laughs> another like <fun> <laughs> robocall
0: Uh, I mean, that's that's fair. At least it was just a robot trying to call you and scam you into believing that the IRS was prosecuting (laughs) you. It wasn't somebody actually just asking you for the simple thing of, hey, can you vote for my candidate?
2: Yeah, well, I, I'll say that too. Don't get mad when people call you, please. Like, we hate doing this, like, way more than you hate getting these phone calls. Like, we, this is not how we want to spend our evening. Oh, I, <laughs> I have,
0: I have absolutely been shouted at during phone banking. Uh, it's a thing that happens. Well, and, and get
2: mad. A, a tip to
1: those of you out there: you can always register to vote without a phone number. And when you go into the DMV, make sure to click the or to to hit the opt-out box for yeah, the Motor Voter yeah. Law. So that way, it doesn't override your voter registration. But you can just leave your phone number off there, and then we can't call. And I literally tell people that on the phone. I'm yes, like, if you don't like this, you can fix it.
0: But if their number was on a list someplace else, it's going to take a little bit before it propagates through the system and then their number disappears. Uh, and, I mean, with the way that, like, the software that does all of the the plotting for how these numbers get carved up into blocks that are going to be called by, by individual uh, volunteers the chances that your number is actually going to disappear are pretty minimal.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm trying to give people some hope.
0: I mean, good good on you, but... <laughs> <laughs> there like is no hope. <laughs> the, We live in the age of Big Brother with Facebook and Google knowing everything about us. They certainly know our phone number. I mean, Facebook was letting people look you up by your emergency access number... Not that long ago, like
1: no, I mean, if you really want an introduction to like how scary it is out there, like get in with a campaign or like an activist group that's hooked up with like Action Sprout or one of the other APIs oh, yeah. that like as soon as you click like on their Facebook post, like, they know, know everything, everything. <laughs> not just about you but about your friends and who you talk Like it's the amount of data we all have flowing out there is kind of nuts. So like I, I sort of buy. The NSA philosophers line, like, we should just get used to that. But at the other point, like, don't let Facebook own it. Like, I don't like Mark Zuckerberg owning it. So that's my kind of random thought there is just, like, make big data be national.
0: Yeah, or you own it yourself and you get paid for it instead. That seems like a pretty solid tactic if we could figure out how to make it work.
1: I, I, I don't like that. I like just calling <laughs> random strangers and getting yelled at. It makes me feel less lonely. Uh, but uh, you know what? Uh, on the subject of Herb Wesson, because I, I yeah. feel like I feel like uh, riffing on him a little bit, okay. uh, he's celebrating a victory over in the Koreatown neighborhood where they finally opened mm. up some bridge housing. Oh, wait, objection. No,
0: it is not Koreatown. I feel like that is a key factor yeah. in this discussion to be pointing out. Westlake. Uh, it, is, it is over in Westlake. It is not technically within the boundaries <laughs> of Koreatown, which I think was the entire point of those protests. Yeah. So the, for a little bit of background, if you guys have somehow forgotten about this story, uh, there was originally a, a bridge home shelter that was first proposed out of uh, Herb Wesson's office that was going to be at uh, on the 600 block of Vermont, and it was met with fierce opposition, Uh, and it was basically a bunch of, uh, real estate investors and a bunch of NIMBYs who came out saying like, no, we shall not have this shelter here. It's too close to our businesses and our schools. And what what, think of the children think of the children. So then the alternate place where it's now ending up is in the middle of a park on top of some underutilized tennis courts and across the street from a Chuck E. Cheese.
1: Uh, You were there at the uh, the announcement for the opening, right, John?
2: Yeah, Chris and I, um, a couple other Ground Gamers, uh, went down um, last night, and uh, K Town for All was there, past some other service providers and community groups. Yeah, she does. Mel was there, Um, and it it was a little weird. Like I thought it was going to be like a ribbon cutting ceremony, and we're just going to go down, like show some support, you know, for the community, and. It was, like, a, an open house. I guess I hadn't been to, like, the other openings before. And I was I was just, like, surrounded and felt overwhelmed. Because they were like, oh, we got Herb Wesson's office here, the mayor's office here, LAPD's. Here. Well, there were so many cops there. were there. so many cops. The bid was there. That's um, true.
0: And and there were, like, three neighborhood councils there. There yeah. was uh, the Rampart Neighborhood Council, Westlake Neighborhood Council, uh, Koreatown, um, and it's Koreatown slash something, rather, neighborhood council mid-wilshire mid-wilshire yeah yeah. did they
1: did they have the new one there that just split off the like little bangladesh no 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 No. they
0: that was that that (laughs) so fun anecdote before we go back to the story uh the vote to keep koreatown koreatown which is funny because it's koreatown mid-wilshire uh to keep it koreatown and not split off the little bangladesh neighborhood council was the single highest turnout neighborhood council election in city history, by like an order of magnitude. So we're talking like three percent. No, they had like twenty thousand people show up, which is more than like happened in the special election that got Wendy Carrillo uh, to the state assembly.
2: And like all you needed was I think all you two needed was a
0: receipt from, from like the Seven yeah. Eleven down the street. No, so. you need you
1: need two receipts. But they're trying two. to change it to be just one receipt to make it more accessible.
0: <laughs> so yeah, they they were the literal poll tax. It was. They were bringing people in from all over south Cal- southern california and and like down in orange county and and anyone who had any uh ties toward like the korean american business community they were just like come in here and make sure that it stays koreatown which was like guys it's not gonna stop being koreatown yeah. it's still gonna be koreatown even if like this little four-block section yeah. becomes little Bangladesh, where it's full of all these Bangladeshi folks,
2: and, like, I'm, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's like one of the, it, like that. That's my neighborhood. Little what would be little Bangladesh in K Town, and that's one of the highest um, Bangladeshi uh, populations outside of Bangladesh. Maybe. Maybe in the world, but yeah. I know it's definitely like up there.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, Little Filipino Town is highest concentration of Filipinos outside of Philippines. Uh, we have the largest population of Iranian Jews in the entire world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we like LA has we have that the largest weird ar-
0: thing. Ar- Armenian population outside of Armenia. A
1: lot of diasporas end up here, and got, you know, we for, do have the
0: largest yeah. number of Koreans outside of Korea as well. That is
2: outside of Seoul.
0: Outside of yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so town's
2: the biggest uh, Korean city. It in
0: is. In, <laughs> that is Seoul. that is just a crazy fact. Oh,
2: I, I mean, I, I find it kind of cool, but it's also
1: just one of these weird, like LA is just such a strange patchwork of like histories um, that meld but together in can't really we strange all just ways. Get along. I mean, I'll be happy when the taco trucks have banh Like then we know yeah. we're really making progress. I yeah. mean,
0: honestly, the Kogi, the Kogi truck is is fantastic. Whoever decided to start putting uh, Korean meats on, uh, mm-hmm. you know, corn tortillas was brilliant.
1: So, so what was your uh, y'all's assessment okay, of, like, so anyway. the, the meeting? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I was going to say, like, is it, like, do we feel like this, this bridge housing is moving in the right way? Or are we going to see, like, El Pueblo where we get, like, 60 beds, a lot of cops, and a oh, lot of people be, stuck?
2: It's Yeah, it's totally going to be another El Pueblo. Yeah. Um,
0: I think it's 80 or something beds this time around.
2: Um, I don't have the exact numbers, but, it yeah, like something like 70, 80 beds. Um, ton of money spent on policing to um, really ramp up. Anti homeless ordinance enforcement around the shelter. That's yeah. like their uh, stick and carrot philosophy. Mostly so stick, some it's, carrot. It's going to take like a lot of um, Street Watch, like uh, DSA Street Watch is currently doing it at El Pueblo to, you know, prevent folks' stuff from being thrown away or people getting arrested, things like that. So it's along with, it's, it's just a really bad trade off. I feel like, like we had to fight really hard the community did you know pro on house people and advocates to get this um but we didn't get anything in return from the city like they're not trading off enforcement or policing or anything like that so mm. that's pretty disappointing and then i i brought up i was like well when i'm here i might as well bring up something about sweeps to her because yeah. there's a um, there are several s- sweeps scheduled this morning it's thursday um, including one one of my neighbors a couple blocks away, who him and his mom live there. They're both disabled. His mom's, uh, she's a senior citizen. They just got swept, like, two weeks ago. They're, like, the most chill people, like, super clean, everything. W- we have no idea who's, like, even making the 311 reports about them because all their neighbors are chill with them. Mm-hmm. And I, ta- I talked to Herb about him specifically before at City Hall briefly, and I brought this up. I was like, hey, can you do something about the sweep? Can you, like, cancel it? You know, postpone it, whatever. Well, because they just got swept, right? Yeah, two yeah two weeks ago, um, and it's weird now because like I looked it up online because he moved. He's well, I don't want to I don't want to say where he's living. Yeah, yeah, no. But he moved uh, like fifty feet north, up up the street okay. to get away from the, the, the building yeah, he yeah. was in front of, <laughs> and now he's like literally on the line between uh, ten and thirteen, CD ten and CD thirteen. Ooh, so. That's going to mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm assuming that's going to mean, like, twice the, like, uh, calls into council offices about it, and <laughs> also, like, gives each council member, you know, the ability to, like, wash their hands of it. It's like, oh, it's not, a, not my district.
0: Not my problem. Go talk um, to Mitchell Farrell. Not so my I thought problem. it was going Go like to be, like, a real quick thing,
2: like, yeah, we'll look into it, just, like, I had to try, at least, you know, I was there. Like, just give me, just, at least just give me the brush off, like, yeah, um, the typical political answer, but... He was he was pretty rude about it, and he was pretty much like, "Who are you? I don't know you." And I'm like, "I've been coming to like your city council meetings and homelessness and poverty meetings like constantly for two years now. Um, we've talked in person and calling your office. Like, like I'm with Ground Game and DSA. Is like you really?" Don't know who we are, and I got the line like, "Well, I got f- we got four million people in this city." It's mm-hmm. like, "Well, uh, yeah, I," mm-hmm. and you're just like one person. It's like, "Yeah, I'm here like representing a larger community." Like, you understand how that works? Like, just like you're one person representing. A- it was, and then he handed me off to his deputy, who was just like, even worse. He just like ramped it up, and I got the runaround. I'm sorry, literally, the story's, like, too, literally no, a runaround. It, so usually I get like the. um like notional run around where you call a council office and they're like, call this department, call Lhasa. and then you call LASA and they're like, oh no, call you need to call your council office. So you call a council office and they're like, oh, you need to call your co- the like, district prosecutor, or like county. Or you need to call services. path. You need yeah, to call. So you go around in circles. Well, this time because all those departments were there, this guy like tried to take me around to each one of them, gaslighting me the whole time, saying this isn't how sweeps work. Because I was like, I was like, well. Outreach isn't being conducted to these these encampments that are being swept. Because like, I believe these people, when they tell me no one's done outreach to he's like, oh, yeah? You're telling me they're not doing outreach? Well, let's go talk to Path. Let's go talk to Path right now. So he, like, drags over to Path to try and, like, make me look like ass in front of Path, and I'm like, I'm not calling Path liars, I'm calling you a liar, (laughs) saying that you're, like, you're even giving them the information, because the way the sweeps happen are just, like, so impromptu and often unannounced, so... Well, and also, we have, like, plenty of video evidence and photographic evidence of how the sweeps go down from, like, DSS. I was like, I have hours and hours of footage on my phone right here of everything I'm telling you, like, and and then sh- some shelter for all people that I work with came over and this, oh, that was like, that
0: was amazing. where were you
2: during the protest? <laughs> yeah. And one was oh. like, are oh. you, are you kidding me? How dare you? Like, we're the ones <laughs> we who were the ones out oh, like against those protests. It was, it was so ridiculous. I'm like, this is such a waste of time, man. I, I ended it with like, I'm telling you like the system that you're telling me doesn't work and it's broken. And you're just telling me, no, no, you don't understand the system. Like let's, Let's ex- have all these people explain it to you. So at that point, I just like walked away.
0: And- I mean, the the system, If the if you as somebody who is not unhoused and who does spend a bunch of time and has the ability to make these connections and talk to these groups. And as a white guy, you're able to get into these places and not be instantly like refused access the way a lot of people of color are. If you're not able to get in there and figure this stuff out. What the hell do they think is going to happen with somebody who has to be worried about leaving their tent unattended for more than five minutes during the yeah. day?
2: People like, have to constantly get like a new phone, a new number, like yeah. having their ID thrown away, having their meds thrown away. Like, it's
0: how do they expect that they're going to be able to help these people navigate through the system if it is so broken that
2: I don't know how anyone gets off the street, honestly. Like, the folks, these people I'm talking to the folks I'm doing outreach to have been there for years and all the, like the problems they're running into. And yeah, knowing all these obstacles and this like insane bureaucracy, like I don't know how anyone can navigate. Yeah,
0: And I I've seen a number of stories of folks who have like, they literally have a section eight voucher and they cannot find someplace that'll take it. They just cannot get access to it. And that I mean, that's a form of housing discrimination that we really need to make illegal in the entire state of. One county. woman, so
2: one woman in uh, K Town we we befriended. Um, we do outreach to mm-hmm. um, has had you know a lot of problems with county and city and service providers and stuff and getting into housing. She's a she's a sweet middle aged woman, um, and she's been telling me that about the difficulty getting into housing. And oh, yeah. uh, she just went to um, view an apartment. Last week, and she keeps running into that, where when she goes, they like won 't accept section eight when they realize she's unhoused, and they're like, oh you didn't you don't look like you sound on the phone because she's she's black and unhoused, and I guess <sighs> over the phone, I don't know she didn't sound black or didn't sound homeless or whatever, and once they like saw who she was, I they mean, refused to run to her what? yeah <laughs> <laughs> But so what? But so overall we're not feeling like super
1: hopeful about like the this bridge housing facility fixing the lives for four hundred people who are currently living no. on the streets and in Koreatown. So
0: it's the way I, I saw something from I believe it was the the Koreatown for All folks who they, they said uh, I believe it was on Twitter that they had pointed out like, look, this is not nearly enough. Yeah. But for the eighty people who are gonna get to be, you know, sheltered here and not have to deal with the rains again and not have to deal with the cold again. It is a life-changing experience, so yeah. it is a very it's a it's a victory. It's a very small victory, but it's a victory, and it comes with an incredible f- amount of fighting and m- emotional investment from all of these folks to get this done. And it's extremely disheartening that it's not you know returning more uh, for what we're putting in, but at the same time, like it's something, and it's going to make a massive difference for the eighty people that get to sleep there.
2: Yeah, and I'm not going to say like we shouldn't we shouldn't have these things um, or it's a waste of money or whatever. Um, w- you know, we'll fight for anything, but any kind of substantial change or if we're actually looking at making a real den homelessness, like we cannot, I, I don't think we can rely on people currently elected. Like it's going to take um, massive change in the makeup yeah. of that body. Come yeah. 2020. Or this whatever. is, this or, is
0: this path forward does not solve the problem Yeah, like
2: two bridge housing shelters like a year or whatever uh, 18 months it's (laughs) been a while
1: yeah all right well so let's let's move on to the happy part where (gasps) we talk a whole bunch of happy part yeah Uh, (laughs) so yeah so uh big news this week from lapd was that they released their office of the inspector general's report on their program such as predpol which is their predictive Predictive. policing Mm -hmm. uh, which is based on technology by palantir and we all know that peter thiel only does good things in this world Uh, let's (laughs) remember he owns a startup that literally takes young blood and infuses it into old billionaires i'm not making that up nope Uh, also operation laser Laser, which is the los angeles strategic extraction and restoration program and the sar strategic uh sorry suspicious activity report uh the oig's report was pretty harsh for lapd standards uh basically saying that the data is not being used really well there aren't really Uh, any good backstops to make sure that the data that's coming in is correct or even useful to police officers. Uh, And one of their big findings, and this is a huge one, is just because you end up on the laser list doesn't mean that LAPD can stop you, because that's one thing that you can do is you can end up as a chronic offender, quote unquote, and LAPD officers, when they see you on the street, will stop you because you're known to them. Uh, In response to this, Stop LAPD Spying Coalition had a press conference in front of a police... Uh, LAPD headquarters downtown, uh, they had some really interesting findings uh, that I'm going to break down real quick. Uh, And if you want to check this out, you can go to stoplapdspying.org. But so the the OIG looked at less than 10% of LA's chronic offender bulletins. The chronic offender status is purportedly determined by a point system based on encounters with law enforcement. However, 100 individuals listed as chronic offenders had zero points. So Ace had a tweet a few months ago that talked about how you can rack up points uh, when you talk to the cops and they might ask you, hey, do you know anyone in a gang? And you're like, well, yeah, my cousin, he's in a gang. Well, that'll get you points in their system.
0: Yeah, that's fun. But now, apparently,
1: you can end up on this list without any points. So what's the point of the point system? And this seems even more arbitrary. Uh, other things that uh, that mattered a lot was, uh, quote, in auditing PredPol, the OIG paints a picture that place based policing is inherently benign. However, hotspot data obtained by the coalition exposes how communities like Skid Row are being quarantined in de facto ca- containment zones. And that's something that's happening a lot, not just in downtown LA, but in South L. And like more over-policed areas. Now, none of this touches on what the LA County Sheriff's Office is doing. Mm-hmm. This is just LAPD.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, in in related stuff, uh, the Grishario Mark, Grishario Mac, sorry, uh, shooting hearing at the Los Angeles Police Commission was supposed to be held uh, on Tuesday. Uh, the family and supporters uh, all showed up and they were there to pressure the police commission to, uh, you know, pursue uh you know wrongful death and overuse of use of force complaints uh against the officers involved in the shooting uh and they sat through the hearing they then waited for three hours of closed session hearings to be held uh and then they were sent away uh, scolded off by the LAPD and told that it was going to be uh, pushed back to next week.
1: Yeah, his his mother and father were at the uh, Stop LAPD so- Spying Coalition presser beforehand, and then they, they went into the police commission mm-hmm. meeting. They both gave very emotional speeches. Um, his mother at one point saying, you know, when you kill our son, you kill the entire family um, and really like pointing out how police violence is destroying communities and families. Yeah. Uh, LAPD and the police commission especially is not really interested in listening to that. Um, hopefully they'll finally have a decision on Grishario Mack, who was shot at the Crenshaw Mall. Um, but we'll have to wait and see because they keep kicking the can down there. This is, the, this is the, th-
0: the third hearing now because yep. they were supposed to have it last month. Uh, then they would have rescheduled it for this past Tuesday, and now they're pushing it to uh, the 19th.
1: <sighs> so, uh, this kind of ties into that. So, SB 1421, which is the law about uh, making police records more transparent, is already paying dividends. Uh, we have gotten the uh, use of force report from Eric Rivera's killing. Uh, he was the young man who was killed in Wilmington while he was carrying a squirt gun. Uh, the police stopped him. They believed that they were under threat, fired their weapons. Uh, one of the officers driving, or the officer who was driving, forgot to put the car in park, so the car rolled over the body of Eric Rivera. Um, the the report itself is a real mess. I would I would encourage you to go check it out. Um, you can find the link through the LA Times. Um, you can Google it. I'll also put a link in the description below. The first thing you're going to notice on the front page it says confidential report. Then it says in big underlined bold letters, this report is not to be reproduced or copied. Then down there at the bottom is I think my favorite line I've ever read on a report. Quote, do not return this por- report to Forced Investigation Division. When finished, please ensure that this report is shredded or burned.
0: Hmm. Wow.
1: And we wonder why the police commission doesn't want to, like, give any sort of, like, formal rulings on Grishario Mac or other terrible things LAPD does. It's, it, even when, when you read this report, you get a very different view of how the police saw this going down. What's weird is that you have three different witnesses who said that they saw Eric Rivera with the gun. They all describe the gun three different ways. The cops both describe the gun differently. One saying it's light colored. The other saying it's dark colored. One saying it's in the right hand. The other one saying it's in its left or in his left. One saying he was reaching for the gun. The other one saying he had it at the low ready position. There's no agreement between the cops who fired their weapons here. And yet the police commission found the shooting to be within policy. It's kind of ridiculously maddening to read through this thing, see the absolutely inconclusive statements that are being made here, not see anything in there from anyone in uh, uh, Eric Rivera's life or people that were actually familiar with him that might have been able to explain his state of mind included in the report. It really just focuses on like, the officers feeling what they were feeling and assuming that that's valid were their actions justified. And in a world where, like, the police are always allowed to be afraid of anyone, they're shooting, them shooting anyone is always going to be justifiable in their minds, especially for, like, these kind of use of force reports and especially when the city is trying... I don't know what the city is avoiding, really, because they keep paying money out to families, even though they say, well, we're not liable. But it's like, if you didn't kill Wakisha Wilson, why'd you pay her family $3 million? Like... That doesn't really scan for me, and I'm not really sure what the cops are doing um, to actually mitigate liability other than realizing that as long as they're racking up these billable hours, they're going to collect bigger and bigger pensions that they can pour into the police union so that they can put their fingers on the scales of our next election, which they keep doing. And something I like to point out is Mike Bonin, probably one of the most progressive city council members we got, biggest recipient of police union money on the city council. So Uh, this money is kind of poisoning everything. Yeah, so that's kind of my rant there. I didn't really have any else ulti- I, I was going with it. It's been it was a little bit of a frustrating one. It was a good morning. It was like nice solidarity building, but it's always shitty to come together with a really cool community full of people that like I really love and trust, but know that we're all there for the worst possible reasons.
0: Absolutely. I mean, whenever whenever people are having to come together to rally in support of a family of a young black or brown man almost in every single case who was gunned down by either the police or the sheriff's department. It's very powerful, but it, I mean,
1: damn. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about the uh, 2018 use of force report that LAPD is yeah, putting out. this uh, is fun. Yeah, letting us know how many unhoused people they harassed, how many people they beat up, and how ridiculous these statistics are.
0: Okay, so breaking it down real quick, uh, the department recorded at least 2,146 uses of force in 2018. Of those 2,146... So
1: that's that's like seven a day almost.
0: uh, Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Um, 698 of those cases involved a homeless resident, so that's about a third of all of the uses of force were against people who do not have homes. Uh, that is a 14% year-on-year increase uh, from the uh, uh, the 611 recorded incidences in, uh, in 2017, uh, which was uh, also a big increase from the 513 uses of force against homeless folks in 2016. So we're adding uh, you know, 80, 90, or even 100 uh, more uses of force every year it seems uh, against the homeless by the LAPD uh, who are in at the same time spending 30 million dollars last year on sweeps of encampments and confiscating 9,000 plus tents to be trashed
2: and and it, just to clear up homeless people don't make up a third of the population no That's something less than that yeah they make the up significantly less
0: so what let's let's use a a
1: yeah you you put stuff in space you're good at the math <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's four million people in
2: LA, and there's
0: about 60,000 60, folks who were counted as being homeless. Uh, in slightly,
2: okay, so slightly less than a third of the yeah okay <laughs> yeah that's
0: a little bit that's a little bit less than a third. I mean, it, it's yeah we're we're in a fun dystopic. uh we
2: brought those stats up too by the way to that deputy yes last night yeah he seemed completely floored by boy claimed to haven't heard of he's like where where are you getting these numbers from (laughs) like fucking (laughs) from your police department are you kidding me
0: yeah, That's, I mean,
1: well, it's also I'm noticing like these trend lines. It, it, crime overall in LA is down. Um, police incidents, like arrests overall, are down. Except when we talk about people who don't have permanent shelter, like the uses of force against them up year over year, arrests up year over year. Uh, those trend lines seem to go in the wrong way.
0: Yeah, it, absolutely. It's it's there's more enforcement. Um, the fact that the city just settled or just agreed to settle the Mitchell case. Uh, really puts this into an interesting perspective because the Mitchell case had called for a moratorium on the seizure of people's assets within the the, the confines of Skid Row, um, but it's the the uptick in enforcement outside of Skid Row really does seem to be contributing to these uh, huge numbers of use of force that have been have been uh, deployed against the homeless, as well as the confiscation of all of their material goods. Uh, all right, so
1: hopefully uh, we can get some changes. I wouldn't count on anytime soon. Not with uh, Michael Moore at the at the helm, and he's a big fan of predictive policing. Yeah, and that that predictive policing targets unhoused populations, especially and especially populations of color. Like the folks that are getting crushed under that boot now are not going to see any relief under these policies.
0: Yeah, and so for reference, it's about one and a half percent of the population is apparently homeless. If you believe. and
1: experiencing thirty percent of the uses of force. Yes. So literally, like. 30 times yeah, what they should be no, seeing
0: it's it's just not good <sighs>
1: all right let's move on to something that <laughs> is good though uh Gaviner Newsom and his finally <laughs> <laughs> Gav- <laughs> no i keep
2: doing
1: i keep doing that i keep calling him gavener Newsom. i think i'm rolling with it he's gavener Newsom from now on we've we've neologized that he's the
0: gavener there we exactly. go exactly the like gavinator a, yeah. no no well maybe we could we'll, we'll we're gonna have to uh we're gonna have to test that one in uh in well, some do s-
1: some focus grouping yes. but he uh, <laughs> he and his finely coiffed hair uh made a rather big announcement Extremely overriding the coiffed. will of the california voters from a couple of years ago so let's talk about yeah, that
0: yes and no so it's complicated is is really the way that you respond to folks who say the death penalty is something that we all voted on and it's something that we all want to see it's like well not it's complicated Anyway, on Tuesday this week, uh, news broke that Governor Newsom, or the uh, the Gavinator, uh, <laughs> would be announcing a freeze on Wednesday on all executions, granting reprieves for the 737 condemned inmates on the nation's largest death row. That is that is a title that I am not happy that California has, but I'm also not surprised. Yeah. 787? 737. 37. Yeah, so just like that jet that keeps having problems. Yeah. Dark, sorry, dark. sorry. Um uh, I honestly I'm kind of surprised that Texas doesn't have us beat, but I think that's mainly because they just keep cranking them through and they don't have a chance to accumulate.
1: Well, also they don't have the population. Like California no, is still like the largest prison population in the world. Yes. Like we incarcerate people here at our like Texas is maybe harsher, but they just don't have as many people to throw in.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It, we are not going to go into that today. Um a quote from Newsom is is pretty great. He said, "Quote I do not believe that a civilized society can claim to be a leader in the world as long as its government continues to sanction the premeditated and discriminatory execution of its people the death penalty is consistent with our bedrock values and strikes at the very heart of what it means to be a Californian uh, it's worth noting that, that San Quentin is the only remaining place where they do executions in the state and the last execution there uh, happened in 2006 so what's going on is that there's a moratorium on executions uh, imposed at the federal level uh, because California needs to prove in a robust enough manner to the um, the Supreme Court that our manner of lethal injection is humane. And after a couple of botched executions around the country uh, in recent years, basically there, there was a, a massive uh, clamping down on uh, on the, the the use of certain chemicals in the lethal injection process. Well, and,
1: and that came out of the fact that most of the manufacturers for those yes. those drugs are based in Europe and have moral, ethical, and legal restrictions and so they on stopped selling, exporting. it. Yeah, they, they stopped exporting it to the U.S. and so the U.S. had to come up with new cocktails with of drugs, and uh, not all of them worked really well. No, so some of
0: them worked extremely badly. There was one guy who. Uh, was screaming in agony because his entire body felt like it was on fire.
1: Yeah, it took him like 30 minutes to to pass. It was super brutal and terrible.
0: Um, So when people start talking about the fact that Gavin Newsom is apparently subverting the will of the people, what they're referring to is that we've had two different attempts at abolishing the death penalty in California in the last few years, or recent years enough, uh, where 48 and 47 percent of the population in those two votes came out and said that, yes, we want to abolish the death penalty here in California. Um, However, at the same time that we had one of those abolish, one of the propositions to abolish the dash penalty, we also had Proposition 66, which was on the ballot and passed, which was intended to expedite the appeals process and uh, push people along through the execution chain uh, faster, which is incredible that that was able to get through, but it did. Uh, so Newsom's critics have been very quick to point out that the votes uh, in both of those instances rejected all of these attempts to abolish the death penalty. But Newsom's position on all of this is very clear where he said, quote, The intentional killing of another person is wrong. And as governor, I will not oversee the execution of any individual.
1: Which is is part of it is like the governor has to sign off on yes, executions he also. So he's, he, he is ultimately personally responsible for saying this person is going yeah. to die at the hands of my son. No,
0: he's, he's perfectly within his rights to commute all death penalty sentences that would be scheduled to be executed uh, during his tenure or he could just change them to be life in prison Mm -hmm. he can do that
1: and questioning whether humane uh, whether that's any more humane is a a discussion for a different time but at least
0: Uh, it means that people who might later be exonerated by DNA evidence don't get lethally injected prior yeah. to the exoneration happening. Which yeah. We, we know that happened. people
1: have been executed for crimes they didn't commit. So, uh, you know, I would rather spare the lives of a hundred guilty men than, you know, kill one innocent man.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I right. fully agree yeah. on that one. Uh,
1: all right. Well, so let's, uh, let's move on to some uh, calendar dates that we want to keep, uh, keep people, uh, apprised of. So, uh, like we mentioned earlier on March 19th, the police commission is meeting at LAPD, uh, headquarters. That's, uh, 100 Temple Street uh, at, at 930 in the morning. Get yep. there early because yep. there's generally a line. Uh, don't be prepared for public comment because they're probably going to shut it down again and not let people speak because they tend to do that. But, Steve Soboroff does being, not like hearing
0: the hoi polloi. No, he does not. But being in there on uh, mass really does uh, provide a welcome... Sense of support for the community yeah. that's been affected by this, and it also does provide a uh, a lot of pressure that the folks on the commission don't want to see.
1: Yeah, and then uh, you can march across the street at a uh, one p.m. in room ten ten. There is an energy, climate change, and environmental justice committee meeting. Uh, there's going to be a big thing going down. Y'all know I've been doing a lot of work with the Sunrise Movement, in Los Angeles. Uh, you should show up and support what's going to be happening there. We're bringing the Green New Deal to L.A. That's going to effing happen. Hell We're going yes. to be a climate leader. We're going to drag. California into the 24th century. Kicking and There's going to be replicators <laughs> and teleportation and yes. sustainable energy for yes. everyone. These are not promises. We want
0: our Star Trek future. Thank you very much.
1: Uh, and then the day after that, on the 20th, we need court support for senior John Motter here yeah. who got unjustly popped by the
2: cops
0: yes, for walking
1: into a restaurant. Absolutely. Yes, so, John, what's um, the
0: uh, what's the time and uh, location for this?
2: Um, 8.30... Um, the courthouse downtown which i think is 210 west temple mm-hmm. uh and then i think it's room 40 but there there'll be like names and a, a screen there. yeah there's a big, there, there's be a big bunch lcd of there. yeah.
0: yeah there's a big lcd down on the ground floor and you go and you look it up on there uh it's also really fun when you show up in the morning for uh court support for somebody like melina abdullah and then you find out that they were just like yeah nope yeah we're not doing that today you scared us <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, to, to mention a, a win that we recently
1: got well not really a win but a settlement um uh one of our campers at occupy ice got popped by dhs oh. he has signed a plea agreement okay. uh, where he's got community service and he has to take some anger anger management classes uh but that has not resulted in jail time or a, a conviction that is going to follow him for the rest of his that's life that's fantastic he was able to plead to a misdemeanor not a felony so that's a really good one uh also you know after sitting on their front lawn and yelling and protesting Testing uh, that you know metropolitan detention center for 88 days. They could only arrest one person on pretty flimsy charges for a fight that they started. Absolutely. So that's a good one. Uh, what's our last thing going on? Chris? So
0: also on March 20th, Bernie is going to be at UCLA. Uh, Sanders is going to be speaking at 12 p.m. on March 20th at a rally for the University Professional and Technical Employees Communications Workers of America, 9119. That is a hell of a union name. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, There's going to be at least one picket line located at 757 Westwood Plaza because uh, these workers are on strike. And uh, Bernie is expected to be there making a speech in solidarity with the workers. It's all about the, it's not about me, it's about us and you and all of us together. Yeah. It's going to be fun. And he's
2: going to be at my court support too, so if you want to meet Yeah. It's going
1: to be interesting now that California's got an earlier primary to see if we're still treated as like the piggy bank or if we actually get some buy-in from election from politicians this year on the campaign trail. But I think um, Bernie's going to have a lot to do out here. We're going to have Bernie's going to do a lot lot of really fun stuff. Bernie's
0: definitely going to do both because people are like, whenever he's come out to California, the size of the rallies and the lines trying to get into them have been absolutely insane. Like when he did his his little uh, event at the. at the the theater over on oh Broadway, million dollar theater the million dollar with theater uh, Melina the and uh, yeah the yeah. the Justice <laughs> one line <laughs> to get into that was absolutely oh, no. insane when he
1: came to Staples Center the first time or not Staples Center I'm sorry the the Coliseum no, I lined up yeah, like yeah, yeah. three hours in advance to get in I got that, pretty like pretty close up in like the the kind of loge area so we were like not on the floor we had some seats uh, but then after he spoke for like three hours he went outside and spoke to the overflow crowd yeah
0: that was the yeah. that was at the sports something or other next to the Coliseum. Oh, yeah, the,
1: the uh, sports arena. Sports arena, yeah. The, yeah. the old basketball I, place. I actually,
0: yeah. before I met you, I had tried to go to that and then realized after uh, leaving work early to get there that there was absolutely no possible way, even though I was there like 45 minutes early, I was like, I'm never going to get through yeah. this line of cars no, it was insane. to get in here and park and actually get inside. It was just swarms of humanity just walking along these cars that weren't going anywhere and you're like oh boy if i can't park and people are already just massing for this event there's no way so yeah uh show up early if yeah. you want to go see bernie or uh show up in court to help john out because yeah. john needs to help
1: I, I the the uh last thing i want to end on is uh somebody asked bernie today you know hey what do you think of uh, beto announcing that he's running for president and bernie said very dryly it's a free country anyone can run So, I think that's a (laughs) a good deal of shame (laughs) that he just threw beta his way. So, anyways, thank you all for joining us this week. John, thank you very much. Pleasure. All right, we'll catch you all next week. Have a good one. See ya.